Hello friends and welcome. This is the Lego Milestone, a space where we'll unearth life-changing stories, where we'll ask different faces in the legal profession about their successes, how they dealt with failure, growth, and other experiences on this legal journey. We're hopeful that through these stories, we'll see how to make it possible for all those who wish to take on this path, do so distinctively. I am Peter Hawe, and I hope you're excited as I am as we share these untold stories. On our third episode of The Legal Milestone, I'm extremely delighted to be hosting Dr. Rosalind Karugonjo Segawa. Dr. Rosalind is an advocate of the High Court of Uganda. She holds a doctorate from the University of Pretoria. Dr. Rosalind has served the Uganda Human Rights Commission in numerous capacities. She first served the commission as a human rights officer. She then went on to serve as a senior human rights officer. She also served as the registrar of the Human Rights Commission and later served as the director monitoring and inspections of the Uganda Human Rights Commission. She has also served as a lecturer faculty of law at Uganda Christian University. She later served as the Dean Faculty of Law at Uganda Christian University. She has also been a consultant, a human rights consultant with an independent consultancy. Presently, Dr. Roslyn is the chairperson of the Leadership Court Tribunal in Uganda. Dr. Roslyn, you're most welcome. So Dr. Roslyn, um, today we're definitely going to delve on something very critical, um, ethics, and integrity in, in, in leadership. But we'll get to that topic. But before that, who is Dr. Roslyn Karugonjo Segawa? Good question. Um, but uh, my, my children will be, would laugh at this, but I would describe myself as a child of God. When they hear child, they're like, but you're grown up, why are you saying child? Uh, but uh, as you know, with God, we, we have no parents. We, there's no parents, there's no grandchildren. We are all children. So I'm a child of God. Um, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, and I'm a profession. Uh, so I don't know that that's a good description, but that's, that's how I describe myself. Interesting. You speak very profoundly and you have actually started with God. Does uh, God mean so much in your life? Uh, he definitely does. I don't think I'd be where I am without him. Um, he's pretty much shaped my my outlook on life, my career, my everything. So he's, he's really central. Um, I got saved at, when I was 16 and I never looked back. Um, actually, I, I mean, it's been many, many years. I I made 29 years on 1st August. It's it's one of those things that I I celebrate um, that I've come this far with the Lord. I accepted Him as a teenager, and I've never I've never looked back. He's pretty much shaped my way up to here very profound. Is it possible that uh, in the journey of being a lawyer, one uh, very distinctive as you have been, God 
um, still has a, a place in, in, in somebody's life? Is it possible that one can actually be as distinctive as you are and then also hold, you know, God very close to themselves? It definitely has a big place. Many people uh, associate lawyers with lies. And so many people think that perhaps you can't be both a, a Christian and a lawyer. And uh, it used to be a big question when we were starting out, like, how will you really practice? What are you going to do? And, uh, you know, some people even run away from the profession thinking that perhaps you can't be both a, a Christian and a lawyer. And uh, I can't say that I got into the field of law uh, willingly. Um, I was kind of pushed into it by my dad. Yeah, my dad was a lawyer, and uh, he said, you, you should also become a lawyer. Uh, my mom, too, is a lawyer. Uh, I mean, I'm privileged to have two, two moms. Uh, one is a lawyer, the other is a teacher. So it shouldn't surprise you that I ended up uh, being a lawyer and at, at one point also teaching the law. So they pretty much um, shaped, shaped, shaped my, my, my life. So as I was saying that um, uh, many people turn away from law thinking, uh, many Christians may fear the law thinking it's a, a contradiction. I don't see a contradiction because the law is about justice and God is a God of justice. And uh, Jesus is our advocate, he's pleading for us in heaven. So I, I, I don't find a contradiction at all. Um, I think that it was a ploy of the devil and the enemy to, to keep away people who can actually contribute to the law from the field. So they are, they are intertwined, uh, they, I mean, and they can pretty much work together. Wow. Okay, so doctor, we want, would like to know now, you've told us actually why you had to get into the legal profession your dad being a lawyer and uh, you sort of pushed like you said but i think you were later inspired mm. um could you walk us through your um undergraduate experience uh of of taking on this legal career yeah my undergraduate experience as i shared uh, came up with my dad pushing it's good for you to do law so i ended up in law school and uh, I was at Makere, and uh, when we started, we had lots of, of threats. Some lecturers told us, did you see that danger? One lecturer told us that, did you see that danger signal? There was a tree, uh, there's a tree near the Faculty of Law, and it had, uh, it's, it had a warning about an electric pole. No, it was actually an electric pole. And so they have these warning signs of a skull like warning, danger. So the lecturer asked us, did you see that warning sign? It was actually for you because law school is not something easy. Uh, many have dropped out and many failed and things like that. So of course we were a bit frightened. And so we're like the best way out of this is really to study hard, attend every class and, and make sure we give it our best. And of course, when we started attending class, I, there are certain subjects that would really appeal to me, uh, like constitutional law, 
uh, those were some of the first subjects where I interacted with human rights and immediately I could identify with what resonates with me, uh, things to do with justice, things to do with um, helping the oppressed, um, helping the vulnerable, that would really appeal to me. And so that encouraged me to actually go through um, law school. We, we had some also great lecturers who, who were eloquent, who were inspiring, like Dr. Joe Loka. Uh, those were really uh, lecturers to look up to. There was also Apollo Makubia. Um, uh, there, were, there were many. Uh, of course, those are the ones that are going off because they were teaching some of my favorite uh, subjects, but we had a good lineup. Interesting. So did you have any particular, like you said, constitutional law? Uh, did you did you have any particular subjects that throughout the four years you actually said, this has been my favorite? And maybe when you exit at, uh, four, at your end of four years, you actually want to take it on and see how you could practice. Yeah, so it was human rights. Those were some of my favorite uh, subjects, international law. Um, those, those were really intriguing for me. I, I must say the commercial subjects were, were kind of a bit boring for me. I, I just took them on to, to, to pass, but the, the human rights subjects, the constitutional law, the international law, international trade law, uh, those were really interesting subjects for me. Uh, could, you, could you walk us through your you know, experience now still with the journey of, of law school. Did you have any shocks where you, I know it's the first time you're, you're at law school, you know, you want to try out this. What are some of those like, profound memories that you have as a recollection? Where you, did you have any particular ambitions uh, while you're even going through this journey of, of law school? Um, I, of course, my ambition was to go through without failing because we had been warned there is a danger signal. So I was really, hoping to excel. Um, I gave it my best. Um, I, 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 my, my aspiration was to come out without a, a supplementary or anything like that. It was supplementary our time or without having to redo any subject or the other was to survive in class. We had uh, Professor Joko who if you had not read cases would actually kick you out of his class and for us that was one of the most humiliating things so you would really go to the library to make sure that you don't get kicked out of class because you didn't read the case and uh, he would come row by row or these are the brief facts tell us the issues tell us what was the key you know decision and what was the, the, the <laughs> what, principle yeah what were the principles and it was it was for us it was very frightful to to go through that uh, you kept hoping that by the time they get to you you actually read the case that they are talking about i met professor juko recently and i asked him do you still kick people out of class for not reading cases and he said this these students are different if you kick them out they'll just walk out happily and and watch series or do whatever they are not even bothered for us we would be it was the most humiliating thing to come to class and then be kicked out because you had entered so some of the aspirations were not big it was more like can i survive this 
uh, I shouldn't get humiliated. Uh, what will my dad think? You know, he, he was a lawyer and he, I mean, he would really be heartbroken. So some of, at that time, all you're thinking is, I'll be honest, part of it was just, let me get good grades, make my dad happy. If he's happy, I'm happy. He, he, if, if he's happy, then I can get to ask him for whatever I want. So, you know, it, it was that kind of childish thing. Uh, but I'm glad that, that I, I studied and worked uh, because definitely led me to where I am. Interesting. So, uh, Doctor, could you walk us through um, maybe challenges? Did you have an experience where when you look back and say, this is something that during my undergrad, and, and I ask this in terms of maybe social life, because a university is an experience of different things. You're there, you have a social life, you find that there's that part, and then you have this struggle with academics. Do you have that particular recollection of something that you hold so profound in your four years while at law school, both as a challenge or something that Mm. uh, motivated you? Uh, In uh, in those four years, I actually think my undergrad was much better. I was hoping to talk about the challenges while at LDC. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, uh, And people get excited when I talk about challenges. At least my students used to get excited because they thought I had had it really easy. But uh, in my four years, I mean, as I said, no, it wasn't really four years. We were the last lot to do three years. So it was actually three years. I was very lucky. The lucky ones that had three years of law school. Oh, and what year was that? This is 99, from 96 to 99. Oh, okay. So it was very, um, very, I mean, it was three years. I had, uh, I made sure I had a good support system. I had discussion groups, so it wasn't that difficult. We 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 made it through without too much trouble. I would have loved to get better grades, but that's what <laughs> I mean. That's what came through. I would have wanted a first class, or <laughs> yeah, everybody wants a first class. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we 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 left. At least I didn't have to do uh, supplementary exams for anything. Uh, but the support system included a group of friends in class who we would discuss with. Um, in fact, if I had not had uh, that support, perhaps I would not have passed. In, in my third year, unfortunately, my father, who had been my inspiration to study law, actually passed away at the beginning of the, of the academic year. And it was very, very... Um, traumatic for me because that meant um, it was, I mean, you know, I was studying to make him happy and he's gone. So now I was wondering, so what, what's this? I, I was, I felt like uh, the rug had been pulled from under my feet or the ceiling, I mean, the, the floor was closing in on me. So it was, it was tough. And it's that group of friends, um, that actually helped me through because uh, I couldn't read and uh, we would do exams at the end so you have this whole three terms maybe you do coursework but the exam comes at the very end so when the exams were coming when I wasn't ready and it was this group of friends that had to teach me uh, and 
I, I do remember one friend of mine called she's, she's Dr. Rose Nakai. I told her, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't go through this. You've got to take me through the human rights. I love that subject, but I've been, you know how you attend class, but you're off because you've lost somebody uh, you love and, and you feel the loss because my dad was my inspiration. I was there because of him and then he's gone. So it was really tough. And, uh, and my friend, uh, Dr. Nakai, uh, took me through, uh, while revising, of course, herself, took me through the syllabus, like what we had been through. I had been in class. I didn't uh, miss any class. But because I was hurting, I wasn't paying much attention, so I couldn't, I couldn't recall many things. You know, you can have a student in class. They are watching you. They are looking at you, but they are not really paying attention. Uh, that's why when I was teaching, I would actually get students to participate and get them to be so active so that they um, so that they can follow. Anyhow, so I couldn't follow. So my my friends had to support me and and discuss things for me. And it's amazing. Of course, I also had to rely on God. You know, when you're desperate, you pray even more. <laughs> yeah, because before. I, I knew I could read, I knew I could study, but now I was stuck and I could I could see as if the Lord degree is slipping away from me. So I had to, I prayed, I sought support. And amazingly, that was my best year. That Those were my best grades. So, yeah. Wow. Doctor, that, that's very powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining in your closure of the three years, your dad uh, unfortunately passes on and and I was just thinking of you here, like you said, I think, so you, you think that friends had a big, big impact? Yeah, yeah. you have to choose your friends carefully. Um, people who will support you, um, who are not just competing with you. I mean, competition is good, it's healthy and all, but friends who will be there for you, uh, not to do the wrong thing, not to cheat for you in exams, but to, to help you study when you're stuck, to, to, to teach you these concepts uh, so that you can you can come out on top. I, I, and, and Doctor, I'll just ask this about, because you said friends, uh, are you still in touch with some of these? Definitely, yoga? definitely. Oh. Uh, how can you forget that friendship sticks okay. uh, closer even than a brother or sister? It really, really sticks. Because when somebody sees you through such a hard time, you will always look on them with fond memories. Perhaps for them, they may even forget, but for you, you can't. I can't. I think about them often. Okay, so, um, Dr. Now, you, you've walked through your three years. Very fortunate you had to take on three years. For us, presently, we take four years. Yes. Times have changed. Mm. Um, and now, uh, you're a graduate, you're a fully-fledged lawyer out mm. of, of Mackay University. Mm. Um, did you have any plans of saying, let me deviate and, and, and not go to the Law Development you Center? Bet, and, you and bet I did. Oh, okay. And, that's, uh, and, and my students would also find it uh, amusing. Um, after Mackay, when my dad, I, I mean, my dad had died, I had thoughts of leaving the country and living abroad and uh, working abroad. Um, I, I had kind of lost direction, per se. I, I just wanted to 
I thought it would be more comfortable abroad, so I was thinking maybe I should leave the country. And uh, uh, I actually wanted to. I'd made plans to. My aunt was willing to take me on, and uh, uh, my mom said something interesting. She said, "No, you you can go, you can do all you want, but I need you to do the LDC first." I mean, you need to go to LDC first. You must get that postgraduate diploma in law practice, and off you go. So you were not interested in going for, for some, the yeah, postgraduate? Yeah, I didn't want to. We had had it's complicated, it's difficult. Maybe I was looking for an easy way out, who knows? Um, but I had, I had wanted to leave it out, but uh, my mom insisted. And I think that, I mean, it's good to listen to your parents. They know these things. If I didn't have it, I'd probably not be here either. So I'm glad she insisted on it. And I also would insist on it with my students that whether you you will use it or not, just just get it. It's, the journey is not complete when you just have that. It's good if you started something to finish it. Uh, so I can identify with those who may say, LDC is complicated, let me leave. But I endured uh, because my, my mom said so. I said, let me let me try, let me go. So I went. And yeah, it was an interesting journey. Yeah? I would want to know more, but I, I, the only question I had in, in light of that, so you felt um, the drive had come from mom to take on the Law Development Center, not necessarily you saying, I think this is something I want to take on. Um, I mean, when your parents speak to you, you 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 understand. I I, I I take I take parental advice seriously. So I said, if she if she, and she's also a lawyer, she's telling me we did this. So I was like, if she says I need it, then I need it. So let me let me push through this and get it. Let me let me go. Yeah, at the end, of course, I did it for myself, but I was inspired by her. If she hadn't. Uh, put her foot down on that. I I don't know where I would have been. You would probably be outside the country <laughs> like you had like you had planned. Uh, so, Doctor, uh, could you now walk us through your the Law Development Center has had different experiences. We want to hear your journey both on uh, things to do with say oral examinations, <laughs> the 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 issues to do with um, the the tasks that are quite hectic and then the CRUSH program. Mm -hmm. How did you um, manage and pull through your, your law development center? LDC was very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it is a great place. I can say that now with, uh, with hindsight. Though while I was there, I kept wondering how, the, how I would survive. Um, of course, I had a, a, a group of friends to support the discussions. You can't do without friends, actually. Uh, you do need a group of people to discuss with. So I had a group of friends to discuss with, and uh, I actually met my husband there. Uh, he he had um, so it was it was a good place to go to. You never know. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> How do you know? Maybe I'd not have met him. Uh, for him, he had uh, all his holidays, like S four S six. He worked with his uncle's law firm. So he had most of these precedents, like if he needed a plane, you needed anything he had. He was a go-to guy and I met him, I met him there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 
LDC was interesting uh, because I met many friends, including my husband. Uh, he had been in the evening class for them. They did for for, for years. Uh, but yeah, and then we met at LDC. Right. So LDC was interesting, but it was also tough. Uh, it was a bit different from Makere uh, because, it, and and perhaps a little worse because the lecturers also warned us that here you don't lose any person, you don't, you shouldn't become a matron to anybody because you're occupied uh, the whole week. Uh, we would study all week, Monday to Friday, would have, Friday would be for the moot court, Saturday would be for individual assessments, both morning and evening, so we would leave exhausted. The only day for resting and recouping was Sunday, and then you're back to the same hectic schedule. So it was really, really uh, difficult. Um, and at the time, you had to pass first, I think the first term, you would do written exams, and the second term was orals, or it was the other way around. I can't, I can't now recall which. Yeah. But there were orals, and there were written exams. And uh, I, and this is where my struggles came in with landlord. I had trouble uh, with landlord. It had actually begun at at the university. Um, I remember that our lecturer was the type at the university who you would ask questions and he would just continue with, with his lecture or you didn't hear something and even if you put up your hand you would not seek to clarify anything. So we had, I had personally had sipped through without perhaps not getting the best of handle um, and uh, you'd get to the library, cases are torn, books are torn, people were mean. Some people tear out like, you know, good cases. You find in the library somebody has torn out the whole case, so you you never even get to read it. And and books were limited that time. We would have a book bank, and you would literally try to get the books anywhere back to LDC. Yes. Landlord catches up with me. Um, I I was shocked. I was I felt so embarrassed because. I mean, I'd always had a good academic record, and there I was at Frankfurt, and I had, and it meant that I had to come back the next, the next year to to to, to do it. Okay. Um, it was very very tough, very depressing, and uh, my students love to hear that part. The ones that are at council who have flunked, and they would probably feel because I have a doctorate. I don't know what it's like to, to flunk exams, but I do. I do know about the sadness, the humiliation, the depression, the fact that you have to wait to come back. Um, it's very, very, it can be depressing. So you do need a good support system even there uh, to, to let you know that, yeah, you may have failed, but when you fall, don't you get up? You have to get up. You just get up, dust yourself up, and keep going. Yes. So, <clears throat> yes, I flunked, and I I didn't get to graduate with my class. Um, yeah, because you had to, for the for the first, if you failed first term and second term exams, you had to come back and do them. But if you failed the the fourth, was it the fourth term? Yeah, the fourth term exams, you could you could do them and and graduate. 
and uh, I don't know whether that has changed, but it it was very very um, it was very you know I felt humiliating, and so I went on to do the third and fourth terms, the clerkship and uh, the final term. I put in extra effort in the final term, so I had no issues there. So then I had to come back for my landlord. Uh, land trans, yeah, land, land, land transactions. Land transactions. Yeah, I had yes. to come back and do that. But guess what? It was really, um, it was really interesting because when I left LDC, I, I, I decided to volunteer at the Human Rights Commission. They take on interns or, or volunteers, um, so I decided to volunteer, and I did volunteer. Um, and uh, as I was volunteering, I, I kept learning new things, and I had to actually go back and do this land land law paper. I passed it. I I graduated, and uh, and I moved on. So um, I had I did have challenges with uh, uh, with LDC, but I overcame. So I I saw on Twitter. Uh, people lamenting. There were many students that had flunked, and some of them wanted to drop out, and some of them were so discouraged. I would like to encourage them to to dust themselves up, go back and try again. Don't give up. Um, so I hope that that encourages them out there. It it didn't limit me. So uh, when I when I I, I I got the diploma in legal practice. I was taken on by the Uganda Human Rights Commission. You see, it helps you volunteer. Ah, I, I was actually going to ask if, if that was more or less a clerkship placement uh, during the... It wasn't the... a clerkship placement. Mm. I had done my clerkship at the Legal Aid Project of the Law Development Center. Okay. Yeah. So, um, if with, the, with, the, with, the, with the Human Rights Commission, we had finished uh, our studies at the Law Development Center. We finished in August, so in October, I, I had looked around trying to work with the law firm. But my passion, as I told you, was human rights. So I went there and I learned this opportunity to to volunteer. Actually, it was Dr. Patricia Chanokiria. You, you must know Dr. Patricia. She's the Deputy IGG designate. Yes. Uh, we were friends from way back, and it was Dr. Patricia who told me, I always do uh, volunteer here whenever I have a holiday or anything or what. She had volunteered. I found her volunteering, and she's like, you should, you should, you should, you should try, you should try. So I did. I did the same. So I volunteered for about a year. Yeah, it was about a year. And then I was offered a position as a human rights officer. Um, I was very, very uh, fortunate. And from then on, the sky was the limit because I worked as a human rights officer uh, for about two, three years. And then I went off to do my master's at, at the University of Pretoria, where I did the LLM in human rights and democratization in Africa. Uh, which was really also another, you know, a, a good milestone and uh, a good experience because um, my I, I felt that it was a good a good decision to apply. I applied 
for a scholarship and I was given a scholarship. Um, so everything was covered, tuition, living expenses, flight tickets, it was, it was great. Uh, it's only 30 students, they pick 30 from Africa, uh, from Africans, mainly African students, and it's a privilege to be pocket, to be uh, to be picked because it's very very competitive. So um, in Pretoria, I was taught more about my favorite subject, human rights. And human rights, yes. and it was really really beautiful. Um, I felt exposed. I met with a team of activists from other countries. It was it was really really great great exposure. And I saw the way the lecturers were teaching, um, practical, giving us practical experience, doing moves, doing uh, many, many exciting things, practicing advocacy. Um, I was taught to, to, to do advocacy, like to present in five minutes, which has really been helpful because they told us when you're fighting for rights, when you're meeting uh, leaders, they don't have time to listen to all that. So you've got to learn to, to make your point in five minutes. If somebody's interested, then they'll ask you for more time. So I learned, I learned, I learned quite a bit. And so I I mean, it was a great, you won't believe it, but we're still in touch with uh, all the students in that group. We, or the 30 of, all, of you. Most of us are okay. there, yeah. We, we formed a, first we had an email group, now we have a WhatsApp group, and we keep tabs on each other. and that it's like that llm and encourage people out there to to try and apply for it but most of the people who have been through that llm don't remain the same and and the center prides itself like when we're celebrating 25 years of the center they've they've produced some of some of the key people in, in who are doing great things on the african continent i think we have a we get. We have. We may have an alumnus who's a chief justice. We have ministers. We have. Uh, we have um, uh, attorney generals. We have many, many deans of law schools. We have. We have many people in key places. Actually, when I got this position, my 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 the center celebrated and I was listed as one of those alumnus that are also. Um, uh, uh, I mean, rose to a position of influence which yes. can impact the country. So the center has that uh, that uh, profile that it has been producing leaders for Africa. Yeah. Well, so, so Doctor, I, I, you speak very profoundly of of I think I think right now, I, if, if I'm not wrong or if my memory serves me right, it's one of the best universities on the African continent. But would want to know, Doctor, in that experience that you've you've talked about did you have a feeling that maybe after your llm what you were studying had a place back at home or you wanted to study your llm and maybe stay there see how you could you know some people have got jobs after their llm attached to a universities mm. or did you feel like what you were studying then had a place back at home and, and, and upon your return you could use it very usefully. Definitely, um, because they took us through the human rights systems at uh, the international regional and even shared best practices from other countries that you can use to promote uh, at the national level. 
I, since I was working with the National Human Rights Institution, the Uganda Human Rights Commission, all that was very, very intriguing for me and useful. And of course, again, it was very tempting uh, to, to want to stay there uh, because, I mean, South Africa is definitely more developed um, uh, than, than, than Uganda. It has good facilities and everything. Yeah, so there was a temptation to say perhaps I should stay. But I've given my word to the Uganda Human Rights Commission that I would be back. And uh, I had to keep that word. So uh, despite all the temptation and the offers and things like that, I made my way back okay. um, because because I've made a promise I have to be back. All right. So here you are, you're back after your LLM. Uh, what what happened next when you returned after when your I LLM? When I returned, um, I kind of picked up from where I'd left off. Okay. I came back you... to the Human Rights Commission. Um, in the first few months, I got back to receiving complaints and investigating like I used to. Um, and then uh, I, I was moved. I was then promoted to senior human rights officer. I, I then I had to work in the office of the chair, which meant giving her advice. It was Mrs. Margaret Sekajabairen. She's my mentor. I still have coffee with her to discuss and, uh, and you know, get encouragement and inspiration has moved to the office of the chair to assist her, uh, writing her papers, drafting her, her, her briefs, like when she had to present to any forum, I would be the one to draft. And I learned so much from her. She's a very, uh, she's a good mentor. So she taught me so much. She, she, what could I say? We like to say she smoothed out all the rough edges. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I mean, she's a, she's a great mentor. So I worked there with her for a while. And then I uh, I was also then moved to, to work as registrar uh, of, of the Uganda Human Rights Commission, something which I did also for two years. Um, and then uh, from registrar, I was promoted to director monitoring and inspections um, and uh, that was my last post i did that for about five years and then i i decided that i i wanted to go back to do my doctorate i'd always been i'd always wanted to do it um, i kind of felt like it's um, it's something to do when you start something you've got to complete it so i thought done the llp i've done the, the diploma in legal practice, I've done the LLM, why not do the LLD and, and you know, uh, and uh, so that I can, I can finish. I wish I could say that I feel, I feel like I'm done. I, I, I feel like I need to do something else. I need to study. Ah, I, I, <laughs> Doctor, are you trying to tell us you plan on being a professor? <laughs> we hope, we hope that comes to, to, to life. And... So I, 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 I think I like, I also like to study. Uh, most of my job was researching, but it was also in the field. But uh, there's something about research and reading that that is that is great. Like when you read a great book, or when you you weave through theories, that that's fun. Yeah. And and I think human rights involves that. Yeah, it yeah. is it is wide and it involves a lot of that. 
and there's a lot of connectivity with the national, regional, international. And uh, despite working, there was still so much more to learn. So it was very, very exciting. So um, when I decided to go back to do the doctorate, I realized that I could not ask for leave uh, before I'd asked for a year off. We used to have five-year contracts and the doctorate could take you between two to four years. So if your contract is five years, surely you can't ask leave for four years to finish your doctorate. Sure. So I did the noble thing and resigned. Yes, but I did tell them what I was going to do. And um, I, I said I'll do consultancies as I pursued my doctorate. Okay. And that's, and that's what I did. So I went on to, to do the doctorate and the consultancies. Um, but I started getting bored. I spoke to my mentor and she said, you know, it might be good for you to get into an academic world, to give off uh, what you have as you teach. It will be very uh, enriching for you because when you teach, the more you teach, the more you actually learn and the more you understand the subject better. So said, why not? So I, 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 I delved into academia. If you had asked me in my first year whether my journey of career would have gone that way, I would have said no, uh, because I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. So I decided, yeah, to, to apply and um, so that I could teach. And uh, you see, you gave me a great opportunity. And uh, which is where I actually met you, and <laughs> yes, actually no. met thousands of brilliant students, amazing students. Yes. And so, yeah, I started teaching. I enjoyed that. Um, it also worked well for my doctorate because you could bounce off ideas of students, and uh, they challenge you. The questions they ask. Um, actually, teaching improved me, and I found that then I could write more. Um, on, on my thesis and so yeah so I, I I taught as I was also doing my doctorate and then eventually completed so as I was completing um, Dr. Dr. Anthony Kakosa was leaving and uh, I, I, I then became the next team Doctor, you've mixed up a bit of, we wanted to hear more <laughs> of, of, of the experience when you go back for your doctorate and now the bit where you actually do the teaching. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to particularly ask you, ask you um, what were your experiences and, and what does it take for, for, for one to actually take on a doctorate? We've been told, or oh, you hear stories here and there that after you've done your LLM, done your postgraduate mm -hmm. and you've done your LLB mm -hmm. that's fairly okay you can but here you're taking on a doctorate and somebody might be wondering out there what what was your experience like and what was that drive to actually say you already told us that you liked the research but then how was that experience of, of taking on a doctorate mm. it was quite an interesting journey um, which I must say had I and that's not to discourage anyone. <laughs> had I known what's involved, if I had the full complete picture, perhaps I would have taken it. Um, I entered it with the naivety of an eager researcher. 
I didn't realize it would change my life completely, uh, that I would spend more time reading and uh, studying and uh, questioning everything. And it's, it's a lot of hard work. Uh, you've got to be mentally ready for it. And also, it develops you as a person uh, because you you and your supervisor have to get along fine, really. Uh, I began off with a supervisor. I took two years with that supervisor. And uh, we, we had to start all over again. So I lost two years. Because um, I started in uh, 2013, Feb. And uh, 2015, by 20, no, by 2016, I had changed supervisors. And I had to start from scratch. So um, you've got, if you were to pick up your, uh, to, to decide to do the doctorate, you've got to be very um, intentional about the supervisor you pick. You must pick a topic that's both um, interesting to both of you, because you literally walk this journey together. Okay. Um, that's interesting to both of you, and uh, you end up, also publishing with this person, you, I mean, you you work together. So the lesson I learned there is that you must do a subject that's interesting to both you and your supervisor. With the first one, the subject was not as interesting. So I thought it was. We both thought it was, but at the end, uh, we had to go separate ways, and uh, I had to change, and that was a, well, that was a major setback. Because I'm, I'm imagining that uh, with that happening, if somebody would rather say, let me first take this uh -huh. off. Yes. It, it was tempting. I wondered, should I leave it? I have a friend who abandoned it. I, I, I But I told her, you know, when we start something, we, sh we should finish. I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to be uh, discouraged by whatever has happened. I'm going to finish it. And there were some really motivational or inspirational administrators out there at the university. Okay. So like, you came to get this, you've got to finish it. They were also very, very encouraging. But I was also determined. I was like, I can't have wasted two years of my life. I resigned from a job to do this. And now I, 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 and I, can't, I can't stop here, so I'll, I'll definitely finish it. So... The doctorate, you've also got to have a support system. There were times I really got tired. I mean, there were deadlines. You have to teach, you have to do consultancies, and then you also uh, then you also have to do the research. So you have deadlines coming at you. The consultancies has a deadline. Your supervisor is also expecting a deadline. You're juggling things. You also have family to take care of. Uh, you have you have students to teach. So I think that it taught me how to multitask. Okay. And um, yeah, I don't know whether I've answered your question. Yes, I, I think you have. I, that mm. was on the balance of mm. the expectation of what you had mm. in your doctorate, mm. but also because you talked of, of, of about two other things that you were trying to do mm. at the time you were taking on mm. your doctorate, and that is... Uh, which we're coming to this, that is teaching mm. and also your consultancy. Mm. So um, walk us through briefly about your teaching experience as 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 you ventured onto or you took mm. on this path mm. um 
how 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 was your teaching of the law experience is it something you had particular interest in or like say you said one of your mentors said you need to take on teaching and it could help you in elevating two things mm. or one or two so was it did you have a particular interest and and it, I ha- I developed a bit of interest because I saw what our lecturers at the LLM did for us. They literally opened up the world for us, and I thought it would be good to do that for someone. Um, and it is something that I had thought of. Actually, it kept coming like, can I teach? But I always wondered, can I really teach? Um, there was a time I didn't have as much patience. I think by the time uh, I came through to teach, my character had developed and I had a lot of, also I think I was better than before. I had a lot of of patience and I actually enjoyed it. So when I I joined UCU, I, I started teaching. Of course, I started with second years. Yes. And uh, I thank God for the bold students. One student whispered, said, you're talking to us like we are your equals. We actually don't know many of these things you're talking about. So if you could actually simplify these issues. It was very, very uh, interesting. I said, that's nice. So could you give me, always give me feedback um, after a lesson, like how did it go? Am I I communicating? And uh, yeah, they'll tell me, ah, you've communicated today. And... uh, yeah, but in the beginning, they thought I was speaking in an abstract manner. But that's possible because I was also teaching jurisprudence. Uh, so it, it's a, it's an interesting subject. But yeah, I got that feedback and I, I began, I felt I began to explain more because somebody was always telling me after the lecture, how did I do? What, what was I communicating? And like, yeah, you were, you were. So, and, and, that, and that helped. So you realize that uh, as a teacher, it's a privilege, a lecturer, it's a privileged position. The students learn from you, you also learn from them. So I learned a lot from them. Wow. So doctor, for somebody who now has an interest and you've inspired them to maybe one way or the other take on this journey of being a lecturer and now we will come to your deanship position, what would you tell them? Um, if they have actually picked interest and in subjects that you had interest, say human rights, mm. they've looked at how you are very devoted. Mm. What would you tell that student out there or somebody as a young professional, you know, practicing their, the law mm. and they want to teach the law? Mm. What is what is that one thing you would tell them? Yeah, to teach, of course, you must excel. No university allows you in if you're better, not good. Um, of course, the practical experience is also great. It, it helps. But uh, if you really want to teach, it's, it's an issue of attitude. You must have the heart for it. You must be eager to share knowledge. Uh, you must have the patience. It's good to be patient um, because the students are eager. They are waiting to learn. And um, you can't... I wasn't using the teaching methods that I had in Makere, as using more modern teaching methods. Um, I didn't get to kick many people out of my class. I did actually kicked very few out. It was the person who would be using their phone, you know, talking on it while. <laughs> so that, that, that one had to go out. 
but um, I don't. I didn't uh, take anyone out for not reading the case. Um, I thought that if I can motivate them, ask questions, maybe they'll get interested in reading. Or if I make it sound so interesting, leave out certain details, give, you know, a preliminary, you know, then they'll get interested and read. And yeah, so, some people would actually read. Um, others wouldn't, and it would reflect in the maths. But uh, yeah, it, it, I, I, I mean, I would encourage you to be flexible, to teach, um, to teach, you wouldn't use the same methods, methods are evolving. Um, I mean, in my time, we didn't have WhatsApp, but the whole idea of you texting your, your lecturer was out of, you didn't think about it. Yes. Uh, but now you've got to be open. The student may even ask you questions oh, on, on WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yes. As long as they're doing it during working hours, it should be fine. So yes. you've got to be flexible. And know that um, it's a different group of, of students, yeah, and and they come with different, they have different strengths and they have different weaknesses. And and uh, if you use the the stick too much, some of them won't even care, you know. Uh, so you've got to use carrot mainly carrot, and uh, I also learn to use videos and, and maybe make it more participatory. I found that I'd get more, I'd get more input from students that way, and you get better along the way, and it's okay to get feedback, and you don't, you shouldn't get annoyed when students are asking questions because most times when people ask questions, um, some people think are they are they challenging? Some people, if you don't like answering questions, <laughs> or if you if you feel like they are challenging your intelligence, uh, then that's not the field for you. But I find that students are genuine. When they're asking questions, they're not asking because they think you don't know. They are seeking because they genuinely want information. Yes. And so it's a safe place to be. It's not like somebody's trying to catch you somewhere. There's no need to be defensive when you're teaching. It's good to allow questions. And, and, and you also learn more from it. And it's okay if you don't know to say, I don't know. I'll do some research on that. Or I hadn't thought about it that way. But I'll get I'll get back to you on that. So that's that's how I'd encourage lecturers. Well, thank you. So uh, your uh, there are two things now we'll get into, and then your doctorate. You talked about your deanship position. We would like to know how was your experience. Um, uh, slightly, I think before you, I think now you attained your doctorate because you said uh, Dr. Anthony had been leaving and you had to uh, get in as the dean. How was how was your experience serving as uh, the head of an entire law faculty of Uganda Christian University? I I felt privileged. I didn't come in expecting to be dean. Really, I I came in as I said to give out knowledge and uh, get inspiration as I do my doctorate. And so it was a very, uh, I mean, if you had asked me, I'd have said, I, I don't think so. But um, yeah, I ended up as dean. Uh, it's, it's, it's administrative, a lot of administration, handling uh, students' complaints, handling parents' complaints, attending Senate meetings, making sure, supervising the other lecturers, um, it was it was uh, it was a bit of a challenge. Um, it's not it's uh, if you find most academics they don't even want to be deans 
because it's it's a lot of work. Okay, it takes a lot. It takes a lot from you. Uh, so that's why I chose that even if I was doing, I would continue teaching because teaching is exciting. The administrative work is is okay, but there's nothing exciting about that. Um, the the really? teaching, yes, really? and making sure that um, make when, when you teach and you see because there are people I taught from second year, and I saw what they were like in fourth year. It's like watching a plant grow. The what the person was in second year is not what they were in fourth year. Yes, and and you see that you made input in this person and they are they are getting close to their dreams. They are that they, they I mean they you've mentored them and they are. They're coming to be like you. It's like you've reproduced yourself, and that's—I mean, this—that is rewarding. Uh, of course, administratively, it was also good that I would get to help the students. But I enjoyed. Everybody has a passion. I enjoyed uh, interacting with the students. Uh, not necessarily only those that are having problems or resolving administrative issues, but in class to see them grow and and become what they should be that that would be uh, that is amazing for me and it's it's always exciting for me because you see somebody coming from childlike and now you can see that this person is ready to take on advocates in the field and you're like wow <laughs> so we've we've actually achieved something with administration um it was it was it was not easy but I, I also learned a lot from it. I learned what is wrong with the system and how we can improve it. I made some few innovations uh, that I could. And uh, unfortunately, before I could do so much, it, I, I left as dramatically as I had, I had come in. Because uh, a tenure is three years. I spent one and a half years. And then I got this opportunity, and then I had to do. So. All right, doctor, and then that's where we now get. But uh, I, I think you you've made very fundamental statements for anybody who hopes to be a dean. They have to be ready to deal with everything, both to the excitement, to the administration. And now we want to inquire. Yes, uh, you're now the chairperson of the leadership court tribunal. How did uh, how did it feel um, well you, you were still serving as a dean but now you had been appointed by the head of state to lead such um, a very dignified body as, as, as its head as the chairperson yes how how how, how did you feel at, 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 at that to be called to now be the chairperson of the, the leadership court tribunal um, I was humbled I felt privileged I was excited, but at the same time, I was a bit, I was like, I hope and pray that I'll give it my best. It's new. Um, I have to give it my best. It was, um, I could see it as a new challenge, but an exciting one. And uh, I felt really, really, really um, humbled. And uh, I hoped that it would also provide inspiration to my students because I'd always told them to be flexible and uh, to be eager to learn. Yeah, you may be interested in commercial law or human rights law, but to be open um, because there are new areas of the law 
that you may not even have studied about you've got to keep learning yes so it it, it is a great opportunity and uh, i don't take it for granted i'm, I'm humbled i'm grateful um, to his excellency i'm grateful to the judicial service commission um um i mean i'm really 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 i'm, I'm grateful that they 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 could put on my shoulders such a heavy burden as as being the first chair of the leadership court tribunal and uh, I, I i intend to do it well interesting and i was going to ask you about that but now somebody out there listening um, and they might not know what is the leadership court tribunal good good question the leadership court tribunal is a tribunal that uh, listens that hears cases uh, of breaches of the leadership code of conduct and uh, the cases are uh, have related to conflict of interest abuse of office uh, basically it's it's it fall it would fall into that category of um, anti-corruption i wanted to to refer you to the leadership code act so if you could Give me a in my act it's really wide. <laughs> yeah, so the leadership code tribunal handles breaches of the leadership code uh, of conduct. Uh, basically the code requires that everyone, every public officer, the leader should declare their income assets or liabilities. And uh, if you don't declare or you declare late, that's a breach. So if you breached any of those, you'd be, you'd have to the inspector would would investigate and they could uh, decide to bring a case here if they feel that you breached the code. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it also includes uh, other other breaches. For example. Uh, failure to submit correct information. Don't just submit or declare you must uh, submit correct uh, information. You must avoid conflict of interest. Uh, for example, dealing in matters where you have a personal interest. Uh, for example, you also ask for services from relatives and things like that. Uh, th that would be a conflict of interest. You must disclose it. Um, you can't award uh, contracts to to relatives. Uh, not declaring gifts. If you get gifts which uh, exceed a certain amount, you must declare them uh, to the inspector general. Um, there are certain prohibited contracts, and this is tied in uh, with conflict of interest. But a leader can—I mean—you cannot award uh, contracts to a spouse, your own private company. And, and, and things like that. So all these are, are mentioned, abuse of public property. Uh, sometimes people take government property like their own. Maybe you have a car, maybe you have a computer, maybe there's a plant equipment or other property or funds. You, you shouldn't abuse them. If you do, you could be investigated by the inspectorate of government and if they find you, um, if they find that you've breached the code, they'll bring it to us for adjudication to decide um, whether you've breached the code or not, and then we can make out uh, punishments, actually. 
uh, ranging from suspension, dismissal, fines. Okay, okay, doctor, I, because I, I asked that question particularly for somebody who might not know what, uh, yes. what, what the leadership court tribunal does. And it's fairly new. Uh, it was uh, it was provided when the leadership court act as a, 2002 as amended in 2017 okay and uh, it and its mandate has been expanded not just to hear breaches of the leadership code by leaders but also public officers so whoever is holding a public office and uh, doesn't use it well and breaches that code of conduct and is found and is investigated by the inspectorate of government that would end up here you're 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 handling very very big big tasks so in in your short term of office uh doctor what has been what have been some of your experiences as as a like you said it's fairly new what have been some of your experiences at the helm of such a very important body um i came in with the expectation that i'll be hearing cases almost immediately um, but that couldn't happen uh, there have been a bit of challenges uh, the inspectorate of government was not fully constituted so we could not uh, we could not expect to hear cases that fast then there were issues with the law itself as much as it provided for breaches it didn't provide the corresponding sanctions and so we had to wait for an amendment of 2021 okay. uh, which which came through in April May 2021 and so it 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 it, it didn't we haven't yet actually had a, a case yet but we've used the time for preparation uh, section 19s requires us to have rules of procedure we spent time developing those and consulting uh, they've been uh, They've been put in the Gazette, so those are ready to use. Uh, as we speak, the inspectorate has been appointed, has been vetted. Hopefully they should be sworn in soon. Okay. And once they are sworn in, then we'll be ready to to receive um, uh, to receive the the, the, the cases. Okay. Of course, we, we are worried, not worried, but we are preparing uh, because we anticipate that there might be many cases um, to to use alternative dispute resolution mechanisms, to use electronic, I mean, e-justice e and, and those kinds of things such that we don't uh, have a backlog. So the first year of our, of our existence has mainly been to prepare uh, for adjudication, working on the regulatory and policy framework to for us to be able to handle those cases. And when you're starting, like we are in inaugural tribunal, we've had to we've had to lay the foundation ourselves. It would be easier for the next tribunal member uh, tribunal that's appointed if you find like you already have the rules, you find that there's already uh, ground prepared for you. So for us we've had to lay the ground. And, and we're ready. We're ready. Okay, okay, doctor. And and doctor, we we have. I I I 
just you thought you talked about the tribunal and it, it picked up on me how many members constitute the tribunal we have five members okay i have we have a deputy chair okay who's honorable manjinji we have um, three members miss jenna kelowange um, mr didas mafasha bakunzi and miss joyce nalunga pelimis those are the five members of the tribunal of course we have we are supported by a secretariat headed by the registrar who's responsible for running the day-to-day activities of the tribunal and uh, and staff who, who support uh, executive assistants big officers um, um, <laughs> drivers yes and and many other staff that, that help okay uh, doctor you you said you came in with so much expectation and maybe I'll ask you who, um, maybe by the end of your tenure where do you hope to see the tribunal uh, or you know where do you how do you plan on, on leaving it where do you see it in about uh, before you exit as, as its first chairperson before I exit I, I, I see it being firmly established mm. as a strong um, anti-corruption agency uh, which will work in a complementary manner obviously to the other corruption agencies before us but uh, i i hope that it will be the leading one uh, because we have a leadership contract you know so we yes. have to lead yes. so i hope that it will be leading and that uh, it will be on secure ground independent uh, working uh, w- without case backlog learning from all the lessons that our predecessors have gone through and making the most of the of, of the situation and the information that we received from others on how to avoid uh, the same the same pitfalls would like to dispense justice in a fast and timely manner so all that needs uh, careful planning and strategic uh, strategic planning so i see it um, coming from uh, establishment apart from being established but to being a leader in dispensing with, with justice relating to anti corruption uh, anti corruption measures thank you doctor so doctor we have asked you these very serious and tough questions about your roles maybe just one question doctor because you're now at the helm of such a a big body how do you balance um, that your roles as, as as a chairperson here and different other responsibilities uh, vis-a-vis your your other expectations uh, you've told us you are a mother you are a wife how do you balance uh, and keep afloat mm. um, I think you've got to be intentional about it um, I mean right now I feel like it's it's fairly balanced but uh, there were there were times when obviously like when you're studying when you're doing the doctorate it's different it may not be balanced all the time uh, but uh, you've got to be intentional about it um uh, you remember the old saying that uh, jack becomes dull when he doesn't play so you've got to work hard but also find time for your family for your friends for your social networks 
to exercise, to play, to laugh, to read a good book, have coffee with friends, and 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 and, and enjoy life. So you have to be intentional about it. So I have this this group of friends that um, we'll always say, let's 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 meet, let's talk. So you, it's it's a good way to it, it's something that keeps you on the ground to have that work life balance because at the end of the day we are human beings with families the job may go but you still need your friends you still need your family you you also need the job so you have to you have to keep balancing and you have to be intentional about it practical ways is not, you must have a support system you can't do it without a support system and you've also got to learn to delegate you don't have to do everything you've got to learn to delegate all right doctor so doctor i just want i remember because you've been very passionate about human rights what do you make of the state of human rights in our country as one senior officer who has done work with the uganda human rights commission what would you make of the practice of human rights for somebody who might not get an opportunity to be as a chairperson as you are but they have uh, chosen to take that path I, I i wanted to ask you about that on human rights mm. um i think you should never give up um, human rights is a struggle and i am glad that professor Hines, or may god rest his soul in peace he died um, quite recently but uh, professor Hines used to teach us about the the struggle approach uh, if i may paraphrase his point was that uh, human rights doesn't come on a silver platter you've got to struggle for it and he mentioned that from history right down to he started off with daniel for daniel to exercise his right to religion or worship he, he had to fight for it i mean he was thrown into the den of lions he was thrown into the fire and uh, you know it is a struggle and uh, you've got to be mentally prepared for that uh, but it's a struggle worth um, you know joining in terms of uh, working to make sure that the vulnerable are taken care of it is very fulfilling um, if you work and you get people uh, you get you get innocent people out of jail it's, it's it's very 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 rewarding so i encourage you uh, while you have a lot of energy to to actually do that it's very very uh, satisfying but also you must have a good support system because you can also get a burnout some things take long uh to, before they're in place like i remember uh, from when i left school we were i mean we were advocating for it for a law against torture the law came after maybe 10 years so you must have the patience of a vulture <laughs> i mean be patient and um, not give up um, and don't expect uh, don't expect it on a silver platter you there will be struggle all right so doctor what's your last message for i have these three categories of people the students of law that you have taught uh, those that you have been privileged to be in class with the lawyers out there uh, 
practicing lawyers and uh, and maybe uh, young lawyers just from LDC, the Law Development Center, that are trying to find their way into this legal profession. Mm. Yes. To the students, if you got into law school, you must come out of there with a degree. That is something I used to tell my students, don't give up. It doesn't matter how long you take. For some people, the journey can be long, but that's no reason for you to give up. Um, I want those who have spent years, maybe longer than their friends, their friends have left them, or they feel like they've been left behind. I want to especially speak to those ones that please don't give up. Wherever you are, don't give up. If you've started something, please finish it. It, uh, it would be great for you to finish law school. Um, I don't know what you will do with it, whether you intend to practice, whether you intend to branch off to another career, but if you've gotten into law school, finish it. It will be. It is always rewarding to complete a task. So please, please complete it despite all the obstacles. If you feel like giving up, get a set of friends, get a support system. Uh, for those who have left the Law Development Center, um, there is pressure to perhaps make money quickly or look like you've made it, drive the fanciest car, live in the best place. Yeah, those pressures are on, but don't let those pressures cause you to earn money in uh, corrupt ways or to earn money in using illegal means. Be patient. You will eventually get there. Um, hard work is still key. Uh, humility is very key. You've got to be humble, allow to be mentored, Actually, when you leave LDC, you're not yet really, really, really ready. So allow uh, a senior lawyer to mentor you, to teach you what they need to teach you. Don't be proud and say, there's nothing for you to learn. You've already learned everything. Uh, be humble and learn what you can. And as you learn um, and as you get experience and as you specialize and get expertise, um, the sky is the limit. You will, you, the money will come chasing you. The opportunities will come chasing you. So, so be humble. Uh, what was the other category to the practicing? Uh, I think the practicing people. The practicing. Because you're well, now in a field where you're mm, tracking leaders. Mm, <laughs> to the practicing, uh, remember that many people look at our profession as a noble profession, and it is a noble profession. And whatever you do has an impact on how people think about us. So do it well, do it excellently. The society and the community have high expectations of us and they really get disappointed uh, when we cheat them, when we lie to them, and when we don't do things, when we don't do the right things. So be a role model. Many, many students are doing law and looking up to you. So you don't know how what line of people will fall down when you fall. So please uh, watch out for that. Thank you, Doctor. I, and I will ask you one last question for, for for the position that you're now in and the impact you've had. What do you what do you want to be remembered for, Doctor? 
I'd want to be remembered um, as um, as a person who contributed to building the moral fiber of this country, um, bringing to book um, those who have reached the leadership court, but most importantly, having led by example. It's it's one thing to to adjudicate and hear cases, but how are you living your own life? I hope um, that people can look back and say she led by example. Thank you, Doctor. So, Doctor, we've asked you these tough questions. Now we're going to ask you about something about your... What's your biggest fear? Fear. <laughs> or oh, you don't have... What? Um, fear, 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 fear. I guess everybody has fears. Mm. Uh, fear of failure. Fear of embarrassing the people who hold you in high regard. Worst of all, um, fear of um, falling out with God. We've come a long way. I, I don't want to lose that. Uh, but yeah, but uh, let me say this, and I don't want to glorify my fears. Mm-hmm. And I've had many fears, but whenever I place them to go before God, they they, they disappear. They they become smaller, and so. I like to have that perspective on them, so those are some um, of the fears I may have, but when I look at things from God's perspective, through reading the Bible and getting encouragement from friends, they, they, the fears become small and they often end up disappearing. Okay, so while you've left uh, office and you're back home, what's your favorite dish? That's an interesting one. Um, my my brothers like to say that I love seeds, like it's a chicken, chapati, and cake. But uh, I think they are wrong on the cake. They are right on the chapati and chicken. But that's not what I'll, I'll eat. I, I, I love a salad also. So, uh, yeah. But uh, meaty things are good. <laughs> Although I'm trying to eat healthy, I'm trying to eat healthy. Okay, do you have a favorite hobby? Hobby? Yes. Reading, um, walking, playing chess, uh, traveling. Yeah. Okay, so our very last question is because you've had such um, a, a strong affinity to the word of God. What's your favorite scripture hmm, in the Bible? Good one. <laughs> a very good one. Yes. Uh, I mean, I have several. It actually depends on the season. It actually depends on the season. Um, so, if you said favorite, you, you've limited me. That means one, you know. But, um, uh, when I'm scared, Psalm 91. Uh, when I need guidance, Psalm 23. Uh, when I'm, I feel like I'm going through troubled times, Isaiah 41. Uh, when I feel like I'm on the mountain top, Isaiah 61. So it depends. It depends on the season, really. 
Wow. So thank you so much, Doctor, for accepting our invitation and sharing with us um, such a very interesting story. And uh, we hope that one way or the other, it's going to be transformative to whoever will listen in. We wish you the very best, even as you prepare to now do more of the execution, because you told us that you've been preparing the ground. And uh, would like to thank you for being vulnerable enough to have shared with us some of the remarkable uh, stories in your life. So thank you very much, Doctor, and we are very, very, very grateful. Thank you, Peter. Um, I wish you the best in your career. Um, you were a good student, excellent student. I mean, you were very eloquent, still are. I'm hoping that uh, you will not just talk, that you'll actually get down and apply and go for the LLM in Pretoria or wherever else you get to go. I wish you the best in your career. I do hope that um, what, what you're doing um, encourages the young lawyers for whom I have, I still have a very big heart for, uh, to, 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 to follow their passion and, and their dreams and complete and, uh, and serve our nation. Uh, that's what we need to do. Uh, we shouldn't be discouraged by, uh, there will never be a perfect situation. When you're young, you're like, maybe there'll be a perfect situation. It will never be perfect, but you've got to do what you can and, and, and contribute. Don't be discouraged by what else is going wrong. What's within your docket, do. And I'm glad you're doing something. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs>